Welcome to the God and Cancel Culture podcast. This is Stephen Strang, and this podcast is a way that I can draw attention to my new book by the same name. The podcast you're going to hear was already on the Strang Report, but it was literally an interview I did for the book. It's with Pastor Greg Farrington of Destiny Church in Rockland, California. That's not too far outside Sacramento. He's a pastor that was never really involved politically, but things got so crazy during the COVID lockdown, you know, almost draconian, the way that they shut down churches and everything else. And Greg Farrington was one of the few pastors who stood up to Governor Gavin Newsom. So you want to stay tuned to hear this podcast recorded as a Strang Report. You may have already heard it before, but I'm trying to reach a new audience with this new podcast. So here is my interview with Pastor Greg Farrington from the book, God and Cancel Culture. Welcome to the Strang Report with Steve Strang on the Charisma Podcast Network. This episode was produced to discuss and address issues within our nation and around the world from a Christian worldview. Greg Farrington, I want to thank you for taking time to talk to me because uh, you are fairly well known for some of the stands that you've taken. And I want you to start this conversation by telling me about the journey that your church has been on for the last year with the government deciding to regulate church life by uh, determining who could attend, or maybe I should say how many should attend, or, or if you can have service or not. What has that journey been like? It's been amazing. It's absolutely, I would say, in a way, the most exciting time in my life in pastoring Destiny Church to be in ministry. That doesn't mean it wasn't challenging. It was exciting. I mean, every week uh, we were believing and trusting at a level. Maybe we have never believed and trusted in God before. And so that journey, I would never give it up. I would never trade the last year for anything in the world, even though incredible challenges, incredible hardships, people were hating, um, you know, death threats, all the above. But it was a time where we leaned into God like we had never leaned into him before. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade it for anything in my life. I love that journey. I still love it. Absolutely. And when we, when you say we're pastors, you have to say we're pastors in California. (laughs) (laughs) That's a whole different uh, league, isn't it? And, you know, your reputation goes before you. So I know that uh, all of this has resulted in a, uh, a new level of prayer, a hunger for prayer. Tell us what you saw as the churches were being locked down. Uh, did you see it in other churches or or just mainly in your own? Well, it would seem like there were just little pockets of churches. I would say more than in Southern California than Northern California. And um, I think Destiny Church in the Sacramento region, along with uh, Sam Rodriguez, uh, New Season, like our church, two churches were the kind of the churches that took a stand in this area. And um, there weren't very many of us. And a whole lot of people thought we were losing our minds in and out of the church. And that was one of the challenges that you would think you would be supported 
from people within the family. Yeah, people who you know, people who you know are believers or pastors or church leaders. They would come alongside, and uh, they may not be taking the same steps. You would feel like, hey, I, I feel support there, but it was a pretty lonely journey. It was. Why do you think the people? didn't stand with you were they just were they timid were they afraid that they would be attacked why think, did that happen i think timid a, is a good word some people would say cowardly but i have never used that word but i know charlie kurt has i, I think people were afraid afraid of misinformation about the virus afraid of the government and um what would happen I got phone call. It was kind of like I would get phone calls like the Nicodemus meeting Jesus, you know, meeting where nobody really would want to identify with me. Uh, so they would call me and um, say, hey, can I can we have a private conversation? And these are pastors. And the lead question 100 percent of the time was the first question was, can you give me a name of a good lawyer? Which tells me that they were afraid. They were afraid that they would lose their church or get sued or whatever. So timid is, is a kind word. Now, I know that Rockland is not too far from Sacramento, the state capital. What has been the response from the elected leaders toward your defiance of their guidelines? It's interesting that, you know, we were just at the state capital on Tuesday reporting SB 397, which is uh, religion is essential act. And we spoke on the state capitol. Uh, here's the deal. The government, our governor is, would be probably the person to name because he made executive orders, would not even acknowledge the faith community. Never even, you know, we, we continue to ask. We would love to meet with you. Nothing. Zero. No response. No even acknowledgement. Uh, of our existence. That's amazing. And I know this has affected you personally. What kind of journey have you been on personally as a leader? And what are the difficult bridges to cross when you've had to engage in civic life? I think some of the difficult, the most difficult, I think, decision was to open the doors when our you know, state and, and actually the whole United States uh, said you can't have church. And so um, we were going to be good citizens and slow the spread. That's what we were supposed to do. And we did that. But about eight weeks into the, you know, um, shutdown, we just, me and my wife said, we, we have to open up the doors of this church. It doesn't seem right to us. And uh, we did it with a lot of, there was, there was a certain a level of anxiety and fear. We, because we didn't know everything. We were listening to the media. and There was fear. There was anxiety. We did everything we could to protect people. When we first opened the door, spread people out. Everything you can imagine. I know we were way cleaner than Costco ever was. And we all know that you know the virus only showed up at churches and, and never at Walmart or anything like that. But um, opening the doors of the church for the very first time, that was a very traumatic day, but also I can't tell you what it was like when I stood on the stage after the church doors had been shut for 11 weeks, and I just said, welcome home. Welcome to the house of God. Let's worship God. 
and the place erupted, just erupted. It was one of the highlights of my life. And how many people were there? Were you doing 50% or 25% like we hear statistics in different parts of the country? And also, you say 11 weeks. About what day was that? What Wouldn't that have been around Pentecost Sunday? Exactly. It was May 31st. And that was the day we opened up. We, at first, because, again, we want to be good citizens, we, we, we spread our congregation into four services. and so. We were usually two services. We were a church of about 2,000, 2,500 people. And so we spread them out, four services. I mean, it taxed our staff because we didn't have volunteers. We had to use our staff in all four services. We offered children's you know, uh, service uh, ministries. So we were a fully functioning church on May 31st. Now, not everybody came back. We had about 1,000 people who came back. 50% of the people didn't. They were waiting and seeing. But as we got used to this thing, we became more comfortable and more people were rallying around what we were doing. And we had to quickly expand and make changes. Uh, we, the key words were flexible and adaptable. We had to make changes every single week of how we were going to accommodate people, reservation systems, because here's the sad truth. Because we were one of the only churches open in the area and other pastors would not take a stand. The, the strong people of their churches came to our church. Wow. And of the thousand who didn't come back then, have they come back since? Well, I think this Easter will, will kind of tell you the story. So we had Easter services, what, three weeks ago, um, April 4th. And our church is now 5,000 people. Wow. So our, our church has doubled in size. And we have what we, we don't do small groups here. We have a kind of more of the traditional Wednesday night service, and it has exploded. We, we felt the need to produce a civics class, and we had, you know, um, 800 people show up for a civics class in person and 1,000 people online. But our Wednesday night, crowd, it was, you know, 2,500 to 3,000 people showing up on a Wednesday night. That's incredible. You know, I live in the state of Florida, and of course, our experience has been very different. Uh, we have a very good governor. Uh, things are pretty much totally open now. But my own church also opened up about the same time as yours, or maybe a week later. And Rodney Howard Brown, as you may know, was actually arrested by the authorities yeah. in Hillsborough County, Florida. Uh, a, a Christian lawyer told me he was the first pastor in American history to be arrested for the crime of holding church. Wow. Now, a lawsuit was filed. Uh, the governor got involved. The governor immediately said that churches were essential. Apparently, before that, they were considered non-essential. And I'm guessing it's an oversight based on how he reacted. And the Hillsborough County uh, Commission backpedaled so fast and Rodney has had church. I've been down to a service, and, and you think it's 1919. Uh, you know, it's right. kind of like it was before. They they make people sign a piece of paper that they don't have any symptoms, and they sign a piece of paper they're not going to sue the church if they get COVID. And Rodney told me that he didn't want someone to go down to Walmart, pick up the virus, and then sue the church. And they seem to have navigated it pretty well. Uh, what has been your experience 
in navigating it, especially with how negative things are in California. I mean, the things in the media just, you know, really cause you concern. And I've done podcasts with Che on who I've known since the 1980s, been to his church many times. And of course, they were getting huge fines by the day. And of course, they won in court. And maybe I should ask you, did that court case affect your church in a positive way? Or, or was it just uh, Che on? But tell me your experience of what happened. I'm, I'm reporting what's been another podcast. If people are interested, they can go on to my Strang Report podcast on the Charisma Podcast Network and actually look it up. But we've been trying to cover this ever since it happened. And I'm just interested in your story. Yeah, you know, it, the cancel culture in, in the midst of it, let me just say, we did everything we could to keep people safe. And, you know, all the protocols, you know, disinfecting our sanctuary between services, everything, taking temperatures, you know, and our church was growing. We had waivers that people had. We had a reservation system, all that. We did that for for. I don't know, maybe five months, maybe less, four months, something like that. But we live in an area of California, thank God, the one probably conservative area of California, Placer County, and we never received, I can only remember once, one one kind of one threat from a government official who no longer is empl- employed by um, our county. But that was really the only threat that we had from government you know, we had more challenges uh, from the media. The media was brutal on us. Uh, the Sacramento, the B, they they have done their best to cancel who we are. They have written, I think, 12 articles on us in a span of 10 months. And they have, you know, taken me to task. They, My daughter got married on New Year's Eve. And the Sacramento Bee was in the parking lot of the church, taking pictures of everybody who was walking into the church and then followed that with an article, you know, news media uh, on the television locally. Some of them were good. Some of them were biased in their reporting, but really not painting us in a very positive light. Super spreaders. You know, um, I was named by an atheist group, the Christian, the death cult pastor that the death cult pastor that was i was named by this group by atheists the death cult pastor what was that because you had an outbreak of covid no 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 not at all i mean our church you know has functioned very well i'm not saying nobody ever got covid that would be a a stupid statement when when you say outbreak we never had an outbreak that was oh my gosh we got to shut the doors of the church again not no not even close anything like that uh you know national news has followed us you know yahoo cnn fox news all of them have reported on our journey um but i would say the local media really have been vicious especially the sacramento pb and that led um to uh us being protested on three separate sundays by a group that is associated with Black Lives Matter. They they came uh, on the street that we are on, block traffic, bullhorns, uh, just, you know, all kinds of profanity, chased families up and down the streets as they were coming to their car, threatening them, um, threatening me and my, my family, death threats. And, and um, 
They and tried didn't to the authorities come to your rescue? Yeah, they did. On one particular Sunday, they decided they were going to breach the lobby of our church. And we have a phenomenal safety team. And we created a human shield. I was inside preaching and didn't even know this was going on. It was during our second service, actually giving an altar call where over 100 people gave their hearts to the Lord. And at the same time, we've had this group trying to breach the lobby of our church. And our local law enforcement, Rockland PD, showed up in ride gear and had to move them off our property. Wow. Uh, that's just incredible. In fact, it, it kind of leads to my next question about what's going on in the church in California now. And what do you think is ahead for churches, you know, concerning the spiritual atmosphere and what's going on in the public square? Yeah, I think two things are happening. I see a remnant church that is being birthed in this moment right now. Uh, that are, and I think some of the characteristics, they're bold, they're empowered by the Spirit of God, they are willing to say things that are deemed as hate in our culture, willing to take a stand called sin, sin, uh, deviant lifestyles, all that. But at the same time, know that this is not a moment, that it is the moment. And they're willing to put it all on the line. So I think that that church is emerging. But I would not say that he's even close to being the majority. I would say it would be, it's a very small minority. I think the majority of churches in California right now, and this is, my, this is the greatest fear I have in this moment right now, is that they that the the banner that they are raising up is we're getting back to normal. You know, just this past week here, you know, because of the Supreme Court ruling, our attorney general here in California says you can't, you know, have any capacity limits in churches. And so churches are now celebrating, hey, we can come back to church and we don't have any capacities. We're opening the doors of the church and everybody can come back and they're actually doing a victory lap because the government told them it was okay. Not God. The government told them it's okay to come back to church. I, I, that just sends shockwaves up, up and down my spine. And it, here's the other thing that, that, that we're going to get back to normal. Come back to church and we're going to get back to normal. God forbid that we ever go back to normal right now. We can't go back to normal. Look what normal got us. The easy, fun church, church growth strategy. Hey, the spiritual amusement park that we all kind of bought into in the you know, 90s and 2000s here as we moved into the, you know, you know, where we're at right now. It got us a weak church. COVID showed the weak underbelly of the church, not only in California, in our nation. And I pray to God, we never go back to normal. We need churches that are on fire, that are not lukewarm, that are willing to be bold and take a stand. And you know, pastors are afraid to get involved politically. Everything's political now, everything's political. How can you not be involved? Like I just referred to on Tuesday, we were at the state capitol. It was myself and five other pastors and every pastor in the Sacramento region was notified, hey, we're going to have a, a press conference, and it's going to be 30 minutes on the state capitol steps. Let's show our support. Let's unify on this one thing. Church is essential. 
We had five pastors show up and none of the major churches showed up. Boy, that's concerning. As we wrap up this podcast, I want you to describe the way the cancel culture is being implemented toward Christians in California, especially if you know any specific stories. Yeah, I think, first of all, and this is the sad thing. This is, this is what breaks my heart. It's dividing the church. There's no unity. I don't know where it is, how it is other places. There's no unity in the state of California with churches because we, we have people who have bought into the whole woke, you know, the CTR, I mean, C, CRT, you know, theory, uh, Black Lives Matter, all that. And, it, and it's, it's, you know, it's, it's not good. It's, it's, there's no unity here. And we're, it's like brothers are against brothers right now. And he, I think the other thing that's heartbreaking to me is families are just being, you know, destroyed because you belong to that church. You know, you belong to that destiny church. We're not talking to you anymore. And um, I mean, I don't know if I want to go into names in the, because this is real sensitive for people, you know, and, and churches who um, have called me out. I, I'm not comfortable because I don't want to throw people underneath. the. Well, bus. that's not necessary because we're talking about principles. And, you know, to some extent, what you're experiencing, people are experiencing in different parts of the country, even here in the state of Florida. But you have been bold and stood up. Uh, you mentioned earlier that you're in a fairly conservative county in that you know, only one government official gave you any grief. So why didn't the other churches in your county figure that out and, you know, business as usual or, or have their services? Were they just all, I guess we talked about a little bit already, but when you said that, I thought, why didn't these other people stand up? If, you know, it, first of all, you need to be bold anywhere. And stand up because God tells you that. But it's easier in a conservative area. I live in a fairly conservative area. And of course, we, you know, we've thought about this and analyzed it many times. Yeah, uh, I made phone calls. I, I knew we were going to open up on May 31st to the churches in our area. And I couldn't get anybody to open up with me on the 31st. And I, I'm not sure why. Maybe, maybe here's one advantage I do have. And, and we've already referred to this. I founded this church and, you know, I have tremendous support on staff and through my leadership team. So I had no, no, there was no friction, no division within my church. So the reason I think maybe some, because they were a divided house, they, they had either you know, board of directors, staff members who were not willing to take that step. I think a lot of cases that could have been true. Well, that's an interesting perspective. And the last question is, tell me about some of the strategic partnerships that are forming between elected leaders and spiritual leaders in the state of California. Yes. I mean, Senator Shannon Grove uh, here in the state of California um, she's been, who I did, who I did a podcast with. She's wonderful, in my opinion. Yeah, we had her speak at our church, and her kids attend here. I, I man, I, I love her. She's so awesome, and we have we have a great relationship with them. Kevin Kiley, a, a representative in the state of California, here 
a really conservative, good man, has kept uh, us as a church aware of what's going on. And we can call Kevin at any, any time there. Uh, Charlie Kurt was in our service in November. And uh, Charlie has connected me with pastors uh, across the nation. You know, Jack Hibbs, um, Jim Franklin, Rob McCoy. You know, the list goes on. There's about probably 30 of us who text each other on on the same text thread. Um, Tremendous, because we're all seeing it the same way. Tremendous support there. Uh, And um, we, we also did something here in the, and through our church called Placer County Freedom, we we helped out small businesses who were financially struggling, and we just came in and, and gave them a free financial gift, no strings attached. And so we have we have created partnerships in this community. We we have each other's back. Boy, that's wonderful. And I know that people are going to want to keep in touch with you. Of course, you've been in the news so much they could actually Google your name, but tell my listeners how they can connect with Greg Farrington and Destiny Christian Church in Rockland, California. Yeah, you you can follow me on on my personal social media at Greg Farrington, just all one word, and at Destiny Church Online. So Greg Farrington, that's F A I double R I N G T O N and Destiny Church Online. Those are our platforms that we we communicate with. Well, thank you very much, and thank you to my listeners for tuning in. You know, there are a lot of people that need to hear this, so share this on social media, email it to people that you think would be interested. And it's people like you sharing and coming back every day this caused us to just pass 10 million downloads quite a milestone and thank you again for listening to the strang report today on the charisma podcast network i'm stephen strang god bless you thank you for listening to the strang report with steve strang to read more from steve visit his blog the strang report on charismamag.com again it's the strang report on charismamag.com I just finished going over the last proofs of the book before it goes to press. I, it reminded me of what Pastor Greg Farrington had to say. I hope you enjoyed the raw interview, which was a lot more than I was actually able to use in the book, but there's quite a bit in the book, and I hope that you want to pre-order it. The easiest way for most people, of course, is for Amazon.com. You order the book. Of course, you know, they have your credit card already. They don't actually charge you until the book comes out, which is September 7th, the day after Labor Day. It's good for us to be able to have a lot of pre-orders. It it starts creating a momentum for the book, and I appreciate you pre-ordering it. You can also go to my own website, stevestrangbooks.com. That's my name, Steve Strang. There's no E on the end of Strang. There is an S on the end of books. It's stevestrangbooks.com. You can also order it there. We will actually have books out early, and we're going to send them out as soon as they come from the printer. The other booksellers are all holding it until the release date. So if you want it early, go to my own website, stevestrangbooks.com. And thank you for listening to my new podcast, Guide and Cancel Culture. Be sure to post it on social media and to share it with friends.